This is Museum Secrets from the Ashmolean. I'm your host, Lucy Dawkins, and every day I'll be bringing you a bite-sized undercover story from our collections. Step in through the front doors and join me for some joyful, wonderful, and sometimes bizarre tales hidden in the objects. We will be going behind the scenes and beyond the labels, into dark corners of the storerooms and into the minds of the curators. Today, we're heading into the Hebberden Coin Room. This is where we find the curators who specialise in the history of money and its design. These are some of my favourite objects in the museum. They're everyday things designed to infiltrate your life with tiny images that the person who made them wants you to pay attention to. They're like little billboards, targeted advertising before the age of social media. And there's one set of coins in particular in the Ashmolean that carry a message about hope. To tell us more, here's curator Shailendra Bandara. We will remember 2020 as the great pause in our histories. We will reflect on how a seemingly insignificant microorganism brought the entire humankind to its knees and how, with knowledge and science on our side, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel. However, for historic societies, Spirituality, faith, and religious practice provided a steer to this often used metaphor in difficult times. We now take scientific knowledge for granted, but life was very tough until not so long ago. Diseases were rife, epidemics were common, and morbidity was all around us. A common strategy to hold on to hope and redemption was to seek divine intervention. We therefore find the idea of a future savior in many societies and religions. In Christianity, it is Jesus. In certain schools of Islam, there is Mahdi, the future prophet. And the Hindus might believe in Kalkin, the final incarnation of Vishnu. These figures have one theme in common. They all offer us a vision of transition, a transition from chaos, misery and death to a future that is bright, glorious, and golden. They offer us the hope we also need in difficult times, a hope that firmly sets our eyes to better times and helps us tide over our current crisis. In Buddhism, the figure that offers such redemption is Maitreya, or the future Buddha. His name originates in the Sanskrit term Maitri, which means close companionship. It is believed that Maitreya currently lives in Tushita heaven and awaits entry to the human world. The Buddha predicted in a sermon that 5,000 years after his life, the path of righteousness he showed to humankind will all be forgotten. There'll be a period of greed, lust, poverty, ill will, violence, and impiety. The Sermon of the Seven Sons paints the doomsday scenario in vivid environmental details, some of which are surprisingly similar to phenomena like global warming. Then Maitreya will make his descent and, for the final time, attain Buddhahood to save humanity from such perils. He will herald a golden age. He will teach humanity the ten non-virtuous deeds and ten ways to abandon them. This will be the final nirvana for everyone. There will be no more rebirths. The cycle of suffering for humankind will end. Around 1st century AD, 
Buddhism had evolved into two major branches known as the lesser and the greater vehicles. Buddha also began to be worshipped as a god. This was a major shift because the Buddha never regarded himself as a god and he was also against his own worship. At the same time, a nomadic dynasty from Central Asia called the Kushans established their rule in northwestern Indian subcontinent. Kanishka, who ruled from 127 to 150 AD, was the greatest Kushan ruler. During his reign, the Kushan Empire reached its zenith. It extended from the plains of northern India to the grasslands of Central Asia. Kanishka was also a great patron of the greater vehicle Buddhism. Buddhist art flourished in his reign and the popularity of Buddha's images began to grow at this time. Kanishka's coins show many deities and they are from the Greek, Iranian and Indian traditions. Kanishka regarded himself to be a divine king. Most likely, these deities are shown as his divine companions who support his kingship. Interestingly, the Buddha also appears on Kanishka's coins as one of these deities. This suggests the Buddha is seen more as a god than a preacher or a reformer. The Buddha is shown on Kanishka's coins in two forms. One is a real or historic Buddha and the other the future or Maitreya Buddha. The cult of Maitreya was popular in the region of Gandhara, which is present-day northern Pakistan, Afghanistan and northwestern India. Some of his earliest images are found in that region. On one type of coins, the historic Buddha stands facing wearing the robes of a monk. He is haloed and his hair are neatly tied in a topknot. His right hand is flexed at the elbow and rests in a gesture of reassurance. His left hand holds the hanging ends of his robes. The fine folds of his robes cascade over his torso, covering it up to his knees. The surrounding inscription is in Bactrian, an old Central Asian language. It reads Shakamano Budo, meaning Shakyamuni Buddha or Buddha, the monk of the Shakya lineage. On the other type of coins, the Maitreya Buddha sits cross-legged on a throne with a halo. He is bare-bodied and he wears ear and arm ornaments. These features are in contrast to his depiction as a monk. His right hand makes the gesture of reassurance and in his left hand he holds a small water flask which is his chief attribute. Look at it carefully and you will see the folds of his lower garment, the Indian style dhoti, falling over his ankles which are tucked over each other. The inscription on these coins is Metrago Budo. Metrago is the form of Maitreya in the Bactrian language. I am intrigued and fascinated by the question, why have such images on coins? Of course, we cannot dip into Kanishka's mind directly, so we only have context to make a sense of these depictions. People who use these coins might have recognized them immediately because they very likely saw them in other contexts as well, such as when they visited Buddhist establishments like monasteries. Offering such images and setting up their shrines had become a pious practice. By placing the Buddha on his coins, Kanishka clearly sends a message that he regarded the Buddha as one of the deities that supported his divine kingship. That sentiment might have proved worthwhile 
to the followers of the Buddha, and a lot of them came from rich and elite classes like wealthy merchants. They would have been very pleased to see the Buddha on money. The choice of Maitreya is even more interesting. As we see, Maitreya heralds a new world order and brings forth a so-called golden age. Was Kanishka suggesting that his reign was that golden age itself and it had already arrived? Or was it a particularly bad spell when these coins were issued, when the arrival of Maitreya needed to be invoked? We might never know the final answers, but the images are undoubtedly important. They are by far amongst the earliest images of the Buddha as a human being, whose dates we can almost be sure. As such, their importance for understanding art, history, sociology of the ancient world is extremely significant. Like Kanishka, we all hope that this bad spell will end very soon and we all hope that a Maitreya will lead us through the tunnel of darkness towards hope. I love these coins, in which both the past and future Buddhas raise their hand in a gesture of reassurance for us in the present. If you want to take a closer look at them, check out the link in the podcast notes. Coming up, we have another story where the past comes full circle. It's about music, love, and geometry. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. It helps other listeners find us. Music